Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, the co-founder of Unraveled Academy, an online photography school and community where we offer artists a place to grow and create without fear of judgment and where every artist has a seat at the table. Today, I have a wonderful guest to interview, the amazing Rakita Henderson. She is a badass entrepreneur, business owner and photographer, and it's just a thrill to have her here. So thank you so much for joining us. Anytime at all. How are you guys doing? <laughs> so we're going to dig right in. I uh, typically ask my guests right out the gates to talk about the very beginnings of their uh, creative journey. Can you tell our listeners where you are from and what work you primarily do? Um, I am from the land of um, Cracker Thin Pizza and Protest in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> um, it's a thing. They cut it in a square. It's got like this non-cheese cheese on it it's a religion um hilarious <laughs> but <laughs> um Samuel style pizza is a thing and um I uh, I shoot weddings and portraits primarily I also do a lot of um mentoring for other photographers mm, amazing and that's kind of how uh, I got linked up with you really is and I've heard so many amazing things about you being a very strong mentor, being a very strong role model. Um, so I'm so excited to dig into that a little bit more. Um, can you tell everybody kind of about your beginnings? Why did you pick up a camera in the first place? And when was that? Um, so I got a camera for Christmas when I was 12. I asked my dad for a camera and thought I was going to get a Polaroid. And um, he told me, um, when Christmas was coming around, he was like, you're only going to get one thing, but it's a big thing. So don't be disappointed because everybody else is opening a lot of presents. You got one box. And I was 12 and I was like, no big deal. You know, but it's things a little when you're 12. You're like, but when I opened the box, it was like a Pentax K1000 and like all these different lenses and triggers and filters. And like, it was literally like somebody dropped a photo studio on your lap. Oh my gosh. And I hadn't, and he gave me a, a book, a black and white photography book. And he was like, have at it. And I was like, oh yeah. And <laughs> I went to town. Um, I drove my family crazy for a couple of years and I shot my first wedding when I was 14. Um, <gasps> my aunt was getting married and so was my cousin. And my aunt asked me to shoot my cousin's wedding to see if I was any good so I could shoot hers. Because wow. she's not as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, right. so I shot my cousin's wedding. They bought me a tuxedo. They put me in the tux. I shot my cousin's wedding. And then I shot my aunt's wedding. And then I shot every wedding for everyone I'm related to for a decade. For free. Oh, my gosh. For free. <laughs> for free. For free. <laughs> like, they would call my dad on a, on, like, on a Tuesday and be like, what were Keita doing on Saturday? I'm getting married. And I was like... Okay, and I would show up with 10 rolls of film and shoot. Oh and at the end of the night, I would give them the film. I would tie it in this cute little bag. I got it like, um, at the time, I guess it was Walgreens. They had these little cellophane bags. You tie the film in the cellophane bag and hand it to them at the end of the night. By the time I was 20, 25, or like 22, is when I figured out I was giving people a $3,000 wedding program. <laughs> no um, doubt. 
Uh, by the time I figured that out, I was shooting weddings for people who I didn't even see the pictures anymore. Like I would give them the film and I would never hear from them again. Wow. And um, so I was, I've been engaged three and a half or two and a half times in my life. <laughs> that half, it was a doozy. But I'll tell you that story another day. Um, oh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> so um, when I met my husband, um, I was, uh, the first time I got engaged, I figured out that it was a really expensive gift to be giving people. So I said I was going to mm-hmm. stop. Um, a couple years later, I met my husband and I was still doing it for people who were super close to me, mm-hmm. but not strangers anymore. And he was like, the only time I see you happy is when you're like making a meal or shooting a wedding. So you need to figure out what you want to do for a living. What you want to be what you want when you grow up. Right. And so I went back to school for um, business classes and took a couple photography classes and um, went back to school for culinary arts and business. Oh, wow. And I took a couple photography classes. And my husband gained 20 pounds while I was in <laughs> culinary school. And he was like, yeah, no, you don't want to do this. You want to be a photographer. Right. And that's how I started. I opened my first studio in 2008. Wow. And um, I started doing it with the intention to be my job in 2007. I quit my job in 2009. Oh. So I've been doing this for a decade with the intention that it was my thing. Ah, oh, that's so, it's so inspiring. When did you switch from film to digital or did you? When I had a kid. Okay. Um, wow. Children, um, when, especially your first one, um, you take a zillion pictures. And my husband was like, I'm so sick of getting film developed here. Right. And he gave me a D300. Oh, <laughs> D Amazing. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> But that's also when my business became like a real possibility because mm-hmm. um, memory cards were expensive back then. Yeah. Like, you know, that one gig was like not something to sneeze at. Right. So um, it was. It became that I had to take the card home and then dump it onto like a CD or something and give it to the client. Like right. I, before, like I didn't, so I had never met another photographer until 2000. Nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Wow. Um, like I didn't even think that it exists. Like it never occurred to me that people would pay me to do it. Like um, black people work is not um, at least back in the nineties. Work was not something that you enjoyed. It was something that you did to pay bills. Right. So the idea that someone would pay me to do something that I love mm-hmm. was like mind blowing. I was like, what do you mean people pay people to do this? Oh, and he Googled um, like uh, top wedding photographers and found Dennis Reggie's website. Mm-hmm. And apparently Dennis Reggie made 50 grand to like shoot JFK's wedding. Mm-hmm. And my husband was like, if that dude made 50 grand, you can make five. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. fair. Right. And that's how I started. Like, that's uh-huh. literally how I started. That's amazing. You know, I, I love what you said um, about doing work because it's work because you have to pay your bills. That's where I was um, before I quit my quote unquote real job. Um, I was yeah. a, I was a nurse for almost 10 years um, and my husband was a firefighter. So we were, you know, in the blue collar field. You punch in, you punch out. You didn't bring work home. And you had a yeah. beer at the end of the night and you talked shit about your job. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And that's, exactly. Just that's probably more of a class thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think. It, yeah, no, I, I, I relate to that in a big way. And it was yeah. like I had a lot of guilt when I enjoyed my work. 
when oh my you know, god right <laughs> it's fascinating so much, i still have that i do like, too <laughs> i still have that like i can't believe people pay me for this like right? all oh. the time Oh. All the time. I love it. I, there should be more of that because there yeah. should be happiness with your work. And there is something noble yeah. to just pay in the light bill. And, and that's where I was sitting at. It was like providing for my family and my kids are taken care of and there's food in the fridge and yada, yada. Uh, but I, we can do all that and be happy too. So I, I love that. Yeah. So much. Um, yeah. My grandma was a, a utility worker my whole life. Like she worked at the post office. Mm-hmm. And so for her, like, success for her was to have a utility job for 30 years that you retired from. Yeah. So she filled out the job application for the utility job that I had for 13 years before I quit. Like I didn't even fill out the job app for the job that I had. Mm-hmm. She filled it out and got me an interview for the phone company. Wow. And like, so I worked for the phone company for 13 years and I hated it. Right. And Jerry was like, I need you to not hate your job every day. I need yep. you to, like, if you could see your face when you open your eyes and realize it's going to be a work day, mm-hmm. you would quit today. I was like, oh. oh. Yeah. It's amazing that he could see that in you. And that's that's actually kind of rare, I feel like, for a spouse to really oh, yeah. see that in you. I, I, I commend him for that. That's fantastic. Like, uh, oh. we were talking earlier about regrets and, and stuff, he and I. Mm-hmm. And, like, um. He was like, if you could go back and change some things, would you? And I can't say that I would because so many things about where I am and who I am as a woman now are tied up in these specific events that live like that. If I had gone back and changed these things that I know now, there's no way that I could guarantee that I'm going to learn the lessons that I need to learn to become who I want to be. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Sure. We could be like, well, that was a mess. We could go back yeah. and change it, but then maybe you wouldn't be right here, right now, doing exactly. all the good work. Exactly. There's, there's, there's so much glory in the hardship. So I, I yeah. think that that's amazing. Oh, I was yeah. going through your website. I love so much how your personality shines literally in every image, in every word. Um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the power of being authentically you as a business owner. Um, can you elaborate on the benefits and how to actually do that uh, for the people? That was, oh, that was a long journey for me as an individual because um, everybody talks about how um, you're supposed to talk about, um, like, for me, a lot of websites sound the same. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's talking about the Starbucks order <laughs> and, uh, like, the, like it's the same pre-packaged self thing yes. that people just kind of tweak. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just feel like it's kind of surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am happiest when I'm not um, kind of um, working a persona. Mm-hmm. Um, I get why people do it. I understand the, the um the comfort of a mask that you put on to go to work and then don't and maybe that's because I I had another life before I was a photographer I was a performance poet wow and um I did that for a few years like maybe five or six um and I traveled and did performance poetry slam poetry um all over the place incredible um and so um but my performance poetry persona was completely different from who I was. Like I literally wore glasses 
And it was like the opposite of Superman. Like yeah. Superman takes the glasses off to be super and I would put them on to be super. Yeah. Like they were a mask that let me do whatever I wanted to do in this space. And then I could take them off and be myself. Wow. So after um, a few years of having to manage that, mm-hmm. like there's a, there's a certain amount of management that goes into having an alter ego that people don't really think about. Um, a lot of us just do it automatic. A lot of people just have these alter egos at work or alter egos with their friends or with their family members. And they don't think about how much work it is to maintain those boundaries and, and personalities. Like a lot of people have multiple personality disorders just not diagnosed because right. they're just being themselves or different selves for different people. Yes. And so like it throws people like when it throws people off when they get into a room and they're with their work friends and their friend friends and their family and they don't know who to be. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, yes. don't throw me a party where you invite everybody. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So um, for me, um, once I got comfortable in the in appreciating how much I was worth as an independent artist. Like once I got past the I'm the struggling artist space, um, being my authentic self always had all those, the clients who I booked when I was my most authentic self were always the best experience for me and for them. Yes. Like it was always a better experience. Never, I never felt like I had to put on airs or apologize for when my real self slipped out yeah. or, you know, those things. So that in itself made it imperative for me to figure out what my real voice was. Trying to figure out, um, I read the uh, marketing book, Start With Why. Mm, isn't that so and, good? And so Start With Why, for me, did more than just help me figure out my why. It helped me figure out who I was so I could figure out the why. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to figure out what your why is if you don't know who you are in, in the start of the journey. Mm-hmm. So being able to be clear about who I am, what my priorities are, why I am doing what I'm doing and how I want that to serve into my client's why is more like start with why is a beautiful start, but I feel like it hits a wall. But people don't hire you for your why. They hire mm-hmm. you for how your why serves their why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, so there's a stop point on the stop start with why theory, which is fantastic, that people need to push further past. Yeah. So that's that. kind of so that's kind of where my current well, my current website is um just a a like literally me spilling as much of myself as I can into my work like I literally posted the other day I'm still trying to figure out how to make um like awesomely lit like fucking lit like <laughs> party ass like like sweat hard like yep. rage against the machine hard bouncing music lit matched with like hellish romantic like how do you do that <laughs> I think if anyone can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I don't know how to make this work. I love it. So. And I, I love that 
because you're reading your about me. I learned so much. I knew exactly who I was going to be talking to today by reading just your about me. And I loved all of it. And I think that it's so important too. And I think that like you just nailed it on the head. Those are your best client experiences when you are authentically you, because if you show up to a wedding or a shoot or even an interview or even a coffee and they're surprised by who they're meeting, that experience is already deflated. Oh, so um, speaking to that, my website picture is me with rainbow hair. I love it. And so a few <laughs> months ago, I shaved my head in a fit of like, I don't know, I was just in a mood and I shaved my head. Oh, and so I do that every couple of years. And so it was like, I was sh- I was bald, like I had no <laughs> hair. And I went to a wedding and the bride was like, what happened to the rainbow? I was oh. like, oh, I should have did this in the off season. Right, I'm right. sorry. <laughs> like it'll grow back it'll be there when you come to see the wet your wedding album I'll show you that I have I have some color then but it's <laughs> how much my clients like really like get comfortable in the the, the who that I have said that I am yeah. so it's imperative for me that I am like as authentic as I can be in, in that because I don't want them to be like thrown off like I really feel like I need to reshoot my um picture with like half the shaved head and half not because it could happen either way just like, do like half like, a face and then flip it you know, <laughs> maybe it could happen it could happen it could work. <laughs> yeah. oh, well as a business owner and a public figure would you say that you have powerful opinions oh uh, yeah it's a problem <laughs> <laughs> not a problem I don't think it's a problem I think it's, it's something a, to talk about it's a, a catch-22 yes um so um like I said I live in the land of protest I live in St. Louis Missouri right. um and I actually live in the Shaw neighborhood of St. Louis Missouri um where we had a um a uh, an officer involved shooting of a young black male um, about six blocks from my house. So we had protests in my, like along my, the streets of my neighborhood or, um, just, it's right, it was right around the same time as, um, Mike Brown, like literally they happened in months of each other. Mm. Um, so, um, and I have been a very vocal social justice advocate since the death of, um, Trayvon Martin. Yeah. Trayvon was my wake up call when um, the 911 calls where you could hear him cry Ugh, and screaming. Makes me cry. Those were my, those were my wake up moments. Yeah. So um, my, I've been very vocal and very um, unapologetic on social media um, and probably in real life more than I care to admit um, about my positions on things. I don't apologize I don't like I, I don't have a lot of um what's the word I'm looking for um I don't have a lot of um regrets about the amount of um passion or push that I put into how I feel about um the way the world and the system works for people of color and marginalized groups in general yeah. um intersectionality is a very interesting dynamic to try to um navigate Mm -hmm. as a black woman um who like is very connected to the lgbtqia community Mm -hmm. um 
the, all the different spaces where those connectivities are broken um, are spaces that I feel um, obligated to push as much as humanly possible. Okay. Um, and it costs, like there's a cost involved, mm -hmm. especially as a, um, a photographer who um, makes their living uh, peddling happiness. Like, <laughs> like literally, my job is to show people how wonderful and magical their love really is. Right. Um, and to believe it and then have to turn around and be like, but this is entirely fucked up over here. <laughs> like, pay attention to this fucked up shit. Why you pick out these gorgeous flowers? Like, it's a, it's a catch-22. Yeah. So it, it calls into, um, but I've also made myself comfortable with the idea that there are 200,000 weddings in St. Louis every year. Mm -hmm. I only need to identify and touch 40 girls yeah. who see me and see how I feel about anything. Like right. I am Googleable and all of my positions are Googleable. Right. Um, the good and bad about how I think and what I feel and what I say. When you Google Rakita Henderson, it all comes rushing up. Right. So there's no hiding from it. Like people are always like, I don't understand why you don't post privately because I've been doing this for a long time. I can't clean Google well enough for <laughs> me to hide it. Like right. it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it, that was part of becoming more um, candid in my business persona mm -hmm. about who I am so that it's not necessarily a, um, a hindrance. Right. Like if I'm only looking for 40 girls to work for who can do, who can handle this and agree, maybe agree more, mm -hmm. or maybe even if they don't necessarily agree a hundred percent with everything that I say, that they can empathize mm -hmm. enough that they can be like, I love the way she sees love and I can appreciate how she feels. I want to work with her Yes, and be able to, to balance that and be okay with that. Like I've had people email me and tell me that um, they would never hire me mm -hmm. and my business is going to go under. Mm -hmm. I've been contacted by, uh, I've had planners work against me. I've had, I mean, but in, at the end of the day, um, the right girls always seem to find me. Yeah. And so I have to be okay with that. Like I can worry about all the stuff that doesn't happen or I can focus on the stuff that does mm -hmm. and just keep rolling with that. Well, it's obviously working for you. <laughs> and I it, think it is not so bad. <laughs> that makes me so happy. And I honestly do. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think you know, people are always asking, I mean, how often do you get asked how to find your ideal client? Be yourself, number one. Yeah. And, and number two, if you, you know, you don't have to be um, 100% unyielding, vulnerable on social media, you can decide what you want to talk about and what you don't want to talk Absolutely. about. You don't have to unveil everything. But if there's stuff that's important to you and you live it and you breathe it and you expose your community to it, then the right people will find you. And it'll be even more of a connected experience, I think, um, yeah. because of that. I, I know it, it, it can be hard. And you see people, um, you know, in as a business owner, as a creative entrepreneur in the public, uh, you know, you're, you're opening yourself up to condemnation behind a keyboard, which, you know, it's really easy to type out a nasty thing, right? Um, so it's not as easy to say it face to face. So we live in a world 
where that's just flying around everywhere constantly. Um, all the time. All the time. And it takes a strong person. It takes a strong woman to be like, well, all that's going to come um, and it's going to be okay. And they have their opinion and that's why they're not working with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I want, I want to be, I want to make sure that I say, um, to people who are listening, who feel like, you know, um, those things come and those arrows come, they hurt when they hit. I don't want people to think that I'm just like, whatever, like we can just keep rolling. They hurt when they hit. And there are days where I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to quit. I don't want to I don't want to talk about another thing. I don't want to deal with another person. I don't want to say another thing, period. And those days come and we sit in them for a bit and then we let them go. And you just keep moving forward. Once you've decided who you're going, who you are and who you're going to be as a person, mm-hmm. it becomes easier to just kind of roll through them. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And and to acknowledge just that human nature, you know, we used to say, and I, I forget who just said this to me, but we're like, we used to talk about sticks and stones, break your bones. The words, words will never hurt you. And that's just not true. Words it's do so hurt. It's not true. Right. It and it's so human nature for them to hurt. And, I, and just acknowledging that I think helps uh, a lot of people. Yeah. So I love that. I, yeah. I talk to my uh, kids all the time about how words hurt and how a lot of people say things to their family that they wouldn't necessarily say to people outside of their family right and I tell my kids all the time I need you to treat your the people close to you the way you treat better than you treat strangers on the street because these are the people who will have your back no matter what just because you can beat them and they'll come back for more doesn't mean you should right and so right you roll with that that sticks and stones thing um yeah we're like yeah if sticks (laughs) and stones break your bones then words are like atomic bombs right Oh, that's, that's a fact. It is a fact. Oh, and I love that the dialogue that we, we get to have with our children has changed. Um, oh God, yes. it's not like it was in the eighties and, and early nineties where it was, that was, that was what we were told as kids. Yeah. Um, very true. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about the importance of community. You know, when stuff like this happens, um, and it is hard. You have your hard days and you're like, man, I just don't know if I want to be vocal anymore. I don't know if I want to express myself anymore. It's draining. Do you turn to community? What helps you? Um, for me, uh, turning to community absolutely helps. The community has adjusted for me. Mm-hmm. Like um, I am, or at least I used to be, I'm not as um, active as I used to be in my local community. Mm-hmm. Um I used to be like super very active mm-hmm. amongst local photographers. But photographers I have learned can be a very conservative group. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? It's I was like, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, like really? Mm-hmm. Like really guys? And so um, I think like in the last maybe two years or so, um, the shakeup of what community means and what it has to mean has been um, very different for me. Like, um, I still like support everyone in my local community. If somebody called me and needed something, had a problem, needed some support in a business endeavor, I would be there for whatever it is that they need. If somebody broke their leg and they needed us to like rally together 
and and take care of their weddings for however much time. Right. We're like, I'm committed to doing that. I don't care what your politics are. Like, right. I'm I'm committed to our community as locals, but the idea of community has changed in a lot of ways because I'm not at all committed to the monetary um, to the monetary position of photography. Mm -hmm. I like making money. I enjoy it. I like to take care of my family. I'm absolutely for like capitalism in that particular sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I never put that before the value of people. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, I haven't found the political party that works for that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just like. It's an interesting uh, combination. (laughs) Like, yes, I want to make all the money. (laughs) Not at the expense of people. Like, um, darn. (laughs) So, so, um, and I find that a lot of photographers, they talk a good game until it's time that it will cost them financially. Yeah. Like if the if the argument will cost them, they can't make the argument. Right. And so that adjusts like who I feel more comfortable <clears throat> being around. Like it's just a like so my community in St. Louis, the people who I like, I feel like I can call and vent to or talk to, or I've got the situation. I've got this problem. It's way smaller than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But I've also found that those relationships are way more um, solid. And like, I don't, I don't have any question about those people and what, and their commitment to me. And I hope that they know that, that, that I am just as committed to them. Like, I should probably work on making sure that they know that and I said that out loud. <laughs> I'm sure that they do. I, I, I feel it from you. I feel your heart. Um, so amazing. It's a challenge. So yeah. so community. So in making people feel um, like valued is really important to me. And like as as far as social justice is concerned, my community is very varied. Like it's some photographers, it's some people in some faith communities, it's some people in some non-faith communities, it's some people in some political circles, um, it's some mommy bloggers that I've known for years. It's like it's all these different people who have kind of grown with me mm-hmm. over the years and are still like still kicking with me. So, oh, so in your opinion what would a strong photography community look like, like a gl- on the global level? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say um, equality-based. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's still a lot of fear in the way photographers move through their businesses like Mm -hmm. and I get it like because a lot of folks are afraid of not booking that next client um and that is a hard feeling to come up come along with you know what I mean to be confident that the next job is coming or that and and then to be vulnerable enough to say so out loud so that if people have the opportunity to refer to you that they can Mm -hmm. and and like there's this 
catch 22 of not wanting to seem unsuccessful so that right you know and people don't know that you need the work and be like, it's a it's a catch-22 so mm-hmm. i wish that like that space existed where people could be vulnerable with one another mm-hmm. and feel like it's not a um an invitation for attack right um and not feel like you have to attack somebody when they're in this vulnerable state like um confidence often comes off as um insensitive when someone else is sharing well I've got well I'm, I'm having a hard season I'm short eight weddings and I need to like make my year look good well I've got 30 something and it, it never feels like you're listening to the other person's pain I wish we could listen better and be mm-hmm. more committed to um helping each other up mm-hmm. like and there are a lot of communities that are like that are doing that that are literally stopping what they're doing like people stop what they're doing and like pull up somebody's website pull up somebody's pricing list and say okay these are the things that are hindering your ability to get people to move past your entry like your entry level package like right like you've got too much stuff in this bottom level put it all in your top level keep all your prices thing and it'll pull people through like yeah i had a conversation the other day with someone where i explained their pricing to them uh, using um, value meal analogies, and they were like, mm-hmm. "I I never thought about it like that before." And I'm like, "That's how it works, kiddo." Amazing. We're working like McDonald's. Just be, <laughs> I love it. Just just be the high end McDonald's of your area, like you know. That's the dream. Be, you know, exactly. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, and I've heard that I've heard, you know, you, you teaching people, you know, openly about, you know, albums, which so many people have questions about that and on pricing structure. And so many people have questions about that. So many people struggle so hard with both of those things. Um, and you're just such a worm nurturing and educator, um, which is why people love you so much. I just want people to be excited about what they offer. Like, yes, yes. It drives me crazy when somebody's like posting all this great work and they're like, I can't book. Why the frick not? Like, like, <laughs> right. I'm like, it's so, you got so much good stuff and you're right. so warm and you're so good. Like you're a good kid. Let's, yeah. let's break it down. Like, like, let's see where the disconnect is. Yeah. And mostly that's, like, that's how I get started with most people. I'm like, what is the problem? Let me see it. Send it over. <laughs> just send it. Let me see. I want to see it. And they're like, I'm like, just let me just let me take a look. I'm like, okay, I see it. Okay, this is where you're disconnected. And it starts this whole wormhole of going backwards and be like, so how are we pricing? Everything starts with your pricing an eight by ten. Like everything. Like how you price your albums, how you price your sessions goes back to how you price an eight by ten. Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I I feel like, oh gosh, so many things you've said during this interview exemplify exactly what a strong community should look like. And like, I hope for the future in the next five, 10, 15 plus years, all of these wonderful concepts kind of morph together into a beautiful, like super community where, where everybody is helpful and we all listen more. I think that that's something that we've talked about a lot. I just talked with Tony Black about that. She's amazing. She's the best. She's so amazing. Just about listening, just about taking the time to listen, especially when you are an entrepreneur with, with 
political or ethical opinions that you're making public. Just listening is so vital and hearing other people because we are, we we are an unraveled is a global community. We're represented in over 20 countries. Um, it's a very diverse group of people with all different, uh, populations and, and micro communities and socioeconomic platforms and everything's different. And so to be able to, I mean, to listen to another person's issues in another country or even here, it's amazing. I think that, the thing though that um, we forget as we age is that youth is so um, big and strong and um, so generally excited mm-hmm. about their youth and their adultness all at the same time that we forget that it's hard to hear when you are flexing all of this youth and all of this stuff and it takes a certain amount of, I think that a lot of time older people, not just photographers, older people um, are always like, um, young people aren't listening. Mm -hmm. And my position is we're not talking to them right. Right. Like it takes, like we want young people to hear us and then do what we say Mm -hmm. instead of listening to where they are and remembering what it was like to be who they are, like in that space and be where they are. And thinking about how we would have wanted someone to bring it to us, to talk to us. And that's a lot of the way that I talk to younger photographers or other photographers, um, because I have a teenage daughter right now. Mm -hmm. And my biggest concern in the world is making sure that she knows that I'm listening. Like, what do you want to talk about? How are you feeling about the things that you're going through? Tell me, like, as much as she feels comfortable telling me, Right. I'm trying to accept that information and not respond out of my 40 years of life right. per se and respond out of use that 40 years of life to respond out of my 14 year old experience. Right. Like when I was 14, like we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have um, social media, mm-hmm. but boys were still painted the butt. Yep. So <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Or girls, for that matter, like, and in in this particular age, like, being able to say you could be into whoever you want to be, and that's completely fine. I may have less advice, (laughs) I can help as much as I can help, and I've got the circle of women around me that if you need something that I can't necessarily give to you, that I have the people around me who can step in and give that. And I think that's the the other thing that I wish that photographers were good at. We're not good at saying we don't know. Right. We're not good at saying um, this is not my strength. Like right. everybody's always got an answer for something. And I'm like, sometimes you can just not know. That's okay. Like right. I am good at being like, you know what? You know who's good at that? That guy. Yeah. You know who's good at that? She's really good at it. You need to check out this thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can help with this particular space. But I'm struggling with that thing that you're struggling with too still. Right. And so being able to spread that out mm. and, and trust each other as you do. Because um, what I really hope our community looks like is like a um, spider's web. <laughs> it kind of rolls out from each person and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. as it goes. The spider web is a strong, strong thing. It's beautiful and it's delicate. And as pieces fall, you put them back. Right. But 
they are gorgeous and unique and can exist amongst each other. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. I am so grateful for you. I just want to say that I'm so grateful for you for being here, for speaking your heart. Um, this interview is going to help so many people. So I'm so grateful for you. I am going to include links to follow you in the show notes. You guys go follow her. She's amazing. If you need a mentor, check her out. I am also going to be asking her to come teach for us. So I'm putting her on the spot uh, here on the air because I need you to come do some teaching for us. You're just an incredible, incredible mentor. Um, and it's just I would honor be honored. To tell you. Yay! See? I don't know. I don't know when or where this, but I'd be honored. We'll, we'll make Absolutely. it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. Oh, thank you guys for tuning in today. Um, and again, go follow along on her journey because she's badass. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here, and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.